from John 6. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet some, some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who through one of the twelve was later to betray him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that's in your word. And I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit who makes the word alive in us. And I pray that he would. I pray that every, every hard heart would be softened and every cold heart would be made warm, hot. Uh, I pray, Father God, that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts to understand what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Before I get into the sermon, um, last week on Facebook, Kirk uh, Bryson posted a picture of these three girls. Uh, they're some of the people that he's working with in Africa, and the three of them uh, were sent home from school because they no longer had the fees to pay their school fees. And uh, it's not a lot of money. I think it's like $50 a month or something like that for each of the girls. Uh, if any of you are interested in helping them uh, be able to, uh, to stay in school or get back into school, uh, see Bruce or Jill Coble, and, um, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll work on, on making that happen. Uh, it's a hard world. You don't have to live in Kenya for it to be a hard world. Um, and hard things happen in this world because it's a fallen world. It's a broken world. It's because of sin. That's why, that's why stuff happens. And because it's a hard world, sometimes you'll hear this phrase. Sometimes you'll hear this question. Sometimes you may even ask this question yourself. The question is, why do bad things happen to good people? And there are problems with this question. There are a couple of problems with this question. The first problem with this question is that it's talking about people that don't exist. It's talking about imaginary people because no one is, is, is good. That's not just my idea. That's, that's from the Bible. When Jesus uh, was called good, he said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And then three times the Bible uses this verse, all have sinned. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And that's the fallacy in the, in the thinking, in the idea that, well, you just do the best you can. And you get there and, and God will, it'll be fine. It'll be good. 
I don't think so. Because the best you can isn't good. It doesn't even even match good. If that were true, Jesus would not have had to go to the cross. You know, why why did he go to the cross for? Well, he went to the cross for those who couldn't do very good. No, which is all of us. Went to the cross for all of us. But if by good people you mean those who trust in the Lord, you know, why do bad things happen to them? Well, there's a fallacy there as well. But let me just say that in... In general, the reason why bad things happen to those who trust in the Lord is the same reason why bad things happen to those who don't trust in the Lord. We live in a fallen world, and it's, uh, it's broken because of sin. Yeah, but now those who trust in the Lord, there ought to be a difference. There is a difference. It's called Romans eight twenty eight. We know that in all things, God works for the good, not the bad. So it, no matter what happens to us, God's at work in it to make something good come out of it. And it doesn't say that in all things God works for the good of those who are good. It says of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And that's the provision, like I say, isn't isn't for those who who do good. It's for those who love him. Uh, A number of years ago, I was at a, a conference in uh, up at Belmont, and I can't remember the speaker's name. It, it, he had a great name, but I can't remember it. And he's probably dead now, but so it doesn't matter. He won't be offended. But um, a Baptist preacher from down in Florida, uh, somewhere, and uh, and he said something that just rocked me. It, but it was great, and I've mentioned it here a couple of times. He said, uh, <clears throat> "You know, the longer I've been in the ministry, and the more that I walk with the Lord, the more I realize." that the whole key to this thing is really love Jesus and do what you want to do. Because if you really love Jesus, what you want to do will be the right thing. See, we get it backwards. We think that, if, man, if I just start doing the right thing, then maybe I'll love Jesus one of these days. Or, you know, it'll, I'll get my loving Jesus merit badge for, for doing good stuff. But that's not how it works. You love Jesus and good finds you. The right thing follows along after you when you you really love Jesus. And so here's here's the thing. Bad things don't happen to those who trust in the Lord. Hard things happen to them. And bad things and hard things are two different things. They're not not the same thing at all. As a matter of fact, it's very difficult to recognize what a bad thing is. Because you don't really know until it's played out whether it was good or bad. Now, it's pretty easy to recognize what a hard thing is. Some hard things are actually quite good. Uh, actually quite useful. I'm thinking at this point about concrete. Soft concrete is a bad thing. You know, and if you're, if you're like driving across a suspension bridge or something, you, you better hope this is hard concrete that's here. Because otherwise, bye-bye. I'm also thinking about calculus. Calculus is a hard thing. 
I'm getting some other suggestions here. I think somebody said addition. <laughs> but <laughs> long divisions definitely are. Calculus is a hard thing, but it's useful. You can do stuff with it. And you may go, well, what, has, what, what does calculus have to do with me? Uh, what does concrete have to do with me? Except when I'm driving on the road. You know, well, maybe nothing. But let me just say this. Exercise is a hard thing. And you know what that has to do with you. Probably nothing. But I keep telling myself, it's a good thing. It's hard, but it's good. It's reminiscent of the uh, G.K. Chesterton quote that I mentioned fairly often. Uh, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult, which in this case is a synonym for hard and not tried. If anybody ever tries to tell you that, that Christianity, that living for Christ is easy, they don't know what they're talking about. It's fulfilling. It's meaningful. It's, it's, got, it's got purpose and and it's full of joy, but it's also hard. It's also hard. Think about uh, the hard things that, that some of the, the saints encountered. And, and, and think about it in, in those terms. Abraham and Sarah confronted barrenness. That's an issue that people deal with. Now, possibly even some people here in this room more, more than likely and and it's it's a hard thing it's a painful thing and they didn't just confront it for a couple of years it wasn't just a matter of wow we've been married three years already we've been trying and we not able to have a child. decades decades went by until it was absolutely positively established fact we can't have kids. But the reason why they had to confront that was because God had somebody very special he was going to send. And he needed to establish the fact that this is my work. You didn't do this. This is something that I did. And the only way that could happen would be for that couple to go through that hard thing for a long long time. Jacob confronting his past was hard, but it changed him. I think there are two, there are two uh, moments in Jacob's life that I, that I really like, and, uh, and I, I see them as pivotal points in his life. One of them was uh, when he got married. And that's a pivotal point in a lot of people's lives. But uh, when he got married, he went to, he, went, he was at, at Laban's and he said, I'll work seven years for your daughter, Rachel. And he worked seven years and the wedding happened. And, you know, I, I guess it had to do with the veils or something. But the next morning he discovered that he married Leah instead of Rachel. And, uh, and he came to, and he comes to Laban and he says... You know, I, I told you I'd work for Rachel. What, what have you done to me? And Laban goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, in our country, we respect the rights of the firstborn. And it wouldn't be right to have the younger one married first. So you're going to get a, a twofer here. 
you know, you're just going to have to work seven more years to, uh, to, to get it. You see, that was Jacob's past catching up to him. Because that exactly was the thing he had violated with his brother Esau. And then later on, when, when he went back home, and you know the story about him wrestling with the angel. The reason that he wrestled with the angel was because his brother Esau was back home. And when he had left home, his brother Esau said, I'm going to kill that guy. And so when he sent word to Esau that he was coming home, hey, your brother's home. Esau comes with 400 men to say hello to Jacob. And so Jacob, in great agony, struggles with the angel of the Lord the night before because his past is coming to meet him. You ever had to confront your past? Sometimes it can be hard. But you go in as Jacob and you come out as Israel when you're really willing to do it. Uh, There was a a man who used to go to the church here number of years ago, I, oh, well over 20 years ago, when he first came, uh, he sat down, I talked with him, he had been involved leading a ministry in, in Murfreesboro, and for some reason that he had been made to step down from that, he had just gotten married to his fourth wife, and really his life was kind of coming apart at the seams, and uh, now, let me just say, that you know he's involved in a very very fruitful ministry in rutherford county at leading it he and his fourth wife are still married for over 20 years the reason that i share that is because i i love he was asked i don't know several years ago you know what's the difference why did this work why why is this ministry fruitful and the others that you got involved in you couldn't stay in what why why did this marriage work and the others that you got you know, and you had three others. You know, what, what's different? He said, I quit running. I quit running. When you confront your past, it's hard, but it makes very good, very positive changes in your life. Joseph being sold into slavery in Egypt, that, that was hard. But he come, came to realize that God set this up to bring deliverance and to save the lives of many people. By doing this. And that was the only way it could happen. <laughs> Moses standing at the Red Sea. Uh, I mean, think about this just a minute. Because we're on the other side of it. And we kind of go, boy, that was a glorious moment. Yeah, but what about right before that moment? When you've got two million people mad at you because you've led them away from their home. You've got w- one of the strongest armies on the face of the earth breathing down the back of your neck. And you're kind of going, this is hard. And you got the Red Sea there. And it wasn't just the Red Sea. Over and over and over and over and over again. He was confronted with hard things, with hard things, with hard things. But look what came out of it. I mean, this is Moses we're talking about here. You don't get to be Moses without going through some hard stuff. That's that's the only way that you get there. And then one last one, I'll, I'll just mention Ruth. Because, you know, sometimes it's hard to relate to Moses and Jacob and Joseph. Her husband died. She was displaced from her home and had to start life all over. 
in a new land. That happens to people. That just happens to regular people. And it was hard. But the Lord provided a kinsman redeemer. The Lord provided one to cover her. The Lord brought her into the line of the Messiah. She became honored. Because she went through some hard stuff. She came out the other side of it. Jesus does this teaching and uh, the people say that it's, it's a hard teaching. Uh, some, sometimes things are hard because we make them hard. Um, the crowd came to Jesus looking for natural food. But what he had given to them the, the day before when he fed the 5,000. And he gave them words of life. He gave them the true bread of heaven. He said, your, your ancestors ate this kind of food you're talking about, and they're all dead. But here's food that I'm giving to you that you can eat and never die. Yeah. And on hearing it, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And they left. And I, I think which being interpreted could mean one of three things. One of the things is this isn't what we want to hear. I'll give you a second to read the words of wisdom from Paul Simon. and uh, all, smile, all, all lies and jest, still a man hears what he wants to hear, disregards the rest. I think that guy's going to get saved someday. He knows too much. But that's true. We hear what we want to hear and we disregard the rest. Sometimes people will come to their pastor. Sometimes they may come to you and, and they may go, well, what do you think God wants me to do in this fill in the blank in this situation or, or uh, you know, what, what do you think the right thing is to do here and, you know, fill in the blank. And, and after you hear their question, you realize they know good and well what the right thing is. They know good and well what God wants them to do. They just don't like it. And so they're going to keep asking people until they find somebody who goes, oh, no, no, I think, I think you ought to do that. Oh, confirmation. And they will find someone. Because some of the things that God wants are actually hard. Jeremiah spoke words of life to the people. And it just wasn't what they wanted to hear. Uh, he was in Jerusalem. They were surrounded by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. And by the word of the Lord, Jeremiah said, here's the way to life. Go out and surrender to Nebuchadnezzar. They were going, that can't be the way to life. He's the enemy. He, we're, we are the Jerusalemites. We have the temple here. We, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a pagan. That can't be the right thing to do. You know, Jeremiah's going, this is, the, this is the word of the Lord. And it was. And those who listened to it survived and thrived. And those who didn't died. It wasn't what they wanted to hear. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Not just, you know, one, a, a, a lot of them. A great number of teachers to make them feel good. And so maybe that's what they meant when they said this is hard teaching. They also possibly meant, we don't really believe this guy's the Christ. 
We, we don't really believe that Jesus is the Christ. Look, guys, this is the foundation of our lives. The fact that Jesus is the Holy One of God. Uh, that, that's, that's where everything starts. That, that's the starting point. And if we truly believe it, then everything changes in our lives. I mean, we'll all, we would all say, oh, yeah, we believe Jesus is the Christ. We, we believe he's the Son of God. Well, if we really do, then we better listen to him. And Jesus has very different ideas about some things from what we generally have. He has very different ideas about the poor. He has very different ideas about how to treat an enemy. He has very different ideas about forgiveness. This is a hard teaching. Who, who can accept it? Or maybe really what they were just saying is we don't have the, we don't have the faith to receive spiritual words from Jesus. Uh, let, me, let me just say a, a side note here. Just because a teaching is hard doesn't mean it's right. And just because a teaching sounds good doesn't mean it's right. You know, you can't, it, it, hard, easy, sounds good, fun, not fun. You know, none of those have anything to do with whether it's right or not. Whether it, whether it's, whether it is, is true or not. Something is right and true if it lines up with the Word of God and the Spirit of Christ. And the reason why I put the two of those there together is because we can take the Word of God and, and, and combine it with the wisdom of the flesh and we can get a mess real quick. But when it lines up with the Word of God and the Spirit of Christ, that's when you know that, that something is truth. Spirit and truth are both necessary. Jesus goes on to say, the Spirit gives life, flesh counts for nothing. Haven't heard that much lately, have you? I mean, I've, I've only about every other week this year said something to that effect. Flesh gives birth to flesh. The spirit gives birth to spirit. The arm of the flesh will fail. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. They're brought to their knees and fall. We're risen. Stand upright. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, and, 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 and he talked about the, the fact that we try to accept praise from men rather than looking for praise from God. You know why that is? Because praise from God requires faith because you can't see it. Praise from men doesn't require any faith. Hey, you did great. That was, that was super. Yeah, well, I'm feeling pretty cool right now. Yeah. Yeah, well, but you see, that means nothing. Praise from God is something that can only be discerned through the eyes of faith. Can only, because oftentimes, while you're doing something that would gain, garner praise from God, men aren't happy about it. Those around may not be happy about it. Jesus' words are full of spirit. They're full of life. You know, you can have all that you need. In fact, you can have all that you want, and you can still be a real unhappy dude or dudette. You can still be empty you, you, because stuff doesn't do it. Barbie was talking last week about uh, the, the C.S. Lewis quote about if there's a, when there's something inside of me, a longing that nothing in this world can satisfy then that must mean that I'm created for another world. Uh, and, I, and I totally agree with that. And, and every one of you pr 
I'm sure, know you've, you've hit times in your life where there's been something inside of you that you've gone, man, I just don't know what it is I want. I mean, this is, this is one I don't think ice cream can touch. Maybe a burger. <laughs> With the... <laughs> Well, never mind. No, that, that's, that's so off the point. I just won't even go there. But the Lord. Wow. Yesterday, I was at, a, uh, I was at a, a, an audition. And, uh, and there was this gal there that I knew knows the Lord. And then there was this guy there that I know pretty well. And I'm pretty certain he not only doesn't have a clue, he doesn't want a clue about God. I mean, that's just been the other side. And somehow or another, the three of us ended up just the three of us. And I started talking, we, the gal and I got to talking about the Lord. We, we got there somehow. And, and I said something about, you know, when I was, when I was really young, I, I used to preach really terrible sermons. Now they're only semi-terrible, but they used to be really, really bad. And I realized this because I didn't know anything. I didn't know the word good enough. And as I was talking about that, this guy, something just clicked. And he began to share about how about five or six, you know, he, he knew the Lord as a little child. And about five or six months ago, Lord got a hold of him. He was studying a script for a play and the Lord convicted him and said, you spend hours a day studying that and you won't even spend five minutes on my word. And how that had, you know, it, it, had, it had convicted him so much. He had begun to really just devour the word. And then the next thing I knew, his testimony was coming out and he had, and he had shared his testimony at, at, at his church up in Nashville and, and, and at home back in Shelbyville and, and tears began to flow, you know, and, and as he was sharing this and, you know, and I'm just sitting there kind of going, you know, I came home like, this was a good day. I feel alive. I feel totally satisfied and full and exciting. He, he reminded me of Justin Bashir's. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and when, when the Lord begins to flow in your life, that's what happens. I mean, that, that look in there that, you know, a hamburger won't touch, you know, is not there anymore. It's gone. Whether you've got a lot of stuff or a little stuff or no stuff, it's gone because you got the stuff. You're full. So why doesn't everybody buy into Jesus' life and become rich and full? Why doesn't everyone receive Jesus' words? Well, it really just boils down to the fact that it, it, it's about faith. It's about faith. From Eden to this day. You see, we, we tend to think of faith and we've, we've put it in this culture into a context of doing miracles or, you know, giving money or doing something like that. No, those, that's not where it starts. Those are, those are symptoms out there. Faith is just simply about hearing God's word and going, you know, I believe that and I'm going to put that to practice in my life. Today, tomorrow, tomorrow the next day. That's what faith is. 
That, that's it. That's, it's not looking, Wayne and I used to be in a band, uh, we used to, uh, and another couple of guys, and we'd, we'd sing in, uh, at places, and was, we'd pray the strangest prayer beforehand. We would pray, God, help us to not look for results. Because we're not doing this so that we can go back and say, wow, we saw, let me tell you what, we, we might not see anything. But we're doing it because God told us to do it. And the Holy Spirit is here and he's going to anoint it. And if he wants to do something with it that we'll never see, that's okay. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things. Oh, not seen. Yeah. Jesus said, this is the reason why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. The grace is a gift of God. The faith is the gift of God. You do have a choice. But he enables you to come to him in faith. Now, the wrong idea, because some people, some people sometimes get this idea, the wrong, a bad idea is to say, if I don't come to God, it's his fault. He just didn't want me. He's, I'm not one of the chosen that's Yeah, I want to say it, but uh, you know there's so many people think it's a dirty word. It's one of those five letter words. Six letter words. The calculus <laughs> The calculus got me. Okay. <laughs> it's stupid. Because God, that, yeah, it's six. Okay, yeah, I know. All right. God, the way to think about it is God wants you. He, he wants you. God's not willing that anyone should perish, but everyone come to repentance. Somebody's already said that today, and they didn't know that I had put this up here on, on, on the screen. So maybe it was something somebody needed to hear. God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we are still sinners. Christ died for us. I mean, man. Like I say, God's got very different ideas about his enemies and, and what you're supposed to do for them and, and, how, and how you're supposed to, to treat them. Let me just go here real quickly. I, I think this passage that we read was the lowest point in Jesus' life. I honestly think that Gethsemane was not the hardest time. In Jesus' place here on earth. Yeah, physically he sweated great drops of blood. Physically it was Gethsemane and the cross. They, they were the hardest times. But the physical isn't always the toughest. And, and really when it came to Gethsemane, I mean he was less than 24 hours away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the cross was hard, but still at the same time, you know, 24 hours, you can pretty much get through something. And for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. I think if there was ever a time that Jesus was tempted to doubt, this was it. See, he was in the wheelhouse of the Elijah syndrome, which is where you've just had a great spiritual victory and then something comes along and 
and chops you off at the knees. I mean, he had just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. He had just walked on the water. He had just preached the great, I am the bread of heaven sermon. And everybody goes, "Uh, I don't think so. Let's leave. And you can hear, I think, the, the hurt, I guess, is the right word. In Jesus' voice, when he turns to the twelve and says, you don't want to leave me too, do you? The real battle isn't in the fiery furnace or the lion's den or the belly of the whale. For two reasons. Number one, God doesn't allow you to go there until you're ready for it. And number two, actually, all three of those places are pretty easy places to pray. When you're in any of them, prayer comes readily to the lips. The real battle for 99.9% of believers, 99.9% of the time, is in the day-to-day unexpected but not uncommon disappointments, discouragements, and moments of quiet despair. And when you're there, I guess it's why the oil's never run off of the song for me. When you're there, remember, the blood on the road wasn't mine, though. Someone that I know has walked here before. Somebody else has been at the place where they've gone, you don't want to leave me, do you? And the same words that encouraged and put fresh strength and endurance into Jesus are available to us as well. Lord, where are we going to go? You know, what, what, what am I going to do now? Just chuck it all and say, uh-uh, I'm out of here? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. When you get to that place and, and you're reminded of this, it's there in the shadows of this life. It's there in the everyday and the mundane. It's there in the darkest night of the soul. Your great grace. Would you stand with me? As a believer, as someone who walks with Christ, nothing bad can happen to you. Hard things can happen. But there's a difference distinguished between them. Will those who are going to pray with folks come down at this time? And if you're here and you, uh, and you need prayer, and I know there are those who do, come. And if you're here and you don't know Christ, hey, <laughs> even though you're a sinner, he died for you and he loves you so much. And imagine what, imagine what it's like once you actually become his child. Come to him. We'd love to introduce you to him. It's, uh, it's free. It's free. Say, well, boy, you've made it sound kind of hard. Well, well, getting saved is actually very, very easy. 
living a Christian life is, is hard, but you know what? Living a non-Christian life is hard. In fact, it's harder. So it's not about hard or easy. It's about what do you believe? And if you really, and if you believe if something, if something inside of you is going, you know, man, he really is the Christ. I really ought to do something about this. That's the Holy Ghost. That is God going, I want you. Okay, we're going to worship for a few moments. And, um, if you don't need to come worship with us, we'll set up an atmosphere where the Spirit can, can do some good things in some people's lives. Yeah. Make my heart an altar. Make my heart an altar, Lord. I give it now to you to hold. Make my heart an altar to
the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to redeem the lost, to set at liberty those who are captive, to restore sight to the blind, to bring good news to the poor. May all of these things be yours. May they be manifested not only in you, but through you. And may you shine with his presence through Jesus Christ our Lord.